Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. I am Joseph M. Smith, the host of Tech Niche Tips podcast, where we help people break into tech, not just to get in there, but to also scale from there. Every week, I'll be having new episodes where I either talk from my own personal experiences or I share with my friends and people that I met along the way that have great tips and tricks, not only, again, to help you land a job in tech, but to help you scale from there. Join me on the Tech Niche Tips podcast. Until next time, I hope to see you on the other side. Stay tuned for more. Hi, Joy. Hi, listeners. We are so glad you are back with us. I tell you, Joy, I am still full from our last episode. Each episode is just getting richer and richer and richer and deeper and introspective. I feel like as we are helping our listeners, I'm getting help myself. So I am just loving this. How about you? Rich is the same word that comes to mind for me. And it's really... Um, like we don't even go on for hours and hours, but we scratch the surface of something that's so um, meaningful, you know, the the deep chords of what what it is to live in a pandemic, to do life together, to do people together. You know, there's a, yes. a lot we're feeling, which is so great to explore and laugh about, too. <laughs> and I, I tell you what I, I am more I'm getting more gratitude about it's just the community that's around both of us and how we're bringing community together, a healing community. I, you know, after we had Denise Feldman on, I thought we got to have a healing retreat. We need to have our former guest on and just really just let people talk and heal and get free <laughs> and move on. So I'm, I'm just excited about, about our podcast, as, as you could tell. I love that. I love that idea. Yeah. And adding to the community of healers today, we're bringing on Courtney McCubbin. She's coming to our show today to talk to us. Welcome, Courtney. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Courtney, let me tell tell the world a little bit about you. So I've known you probably for what, a couple years now or so. And Mm -hmm. Courtney is a fellow healer who's transitioned from life in the office for over a decade to now being a healer full-time, totally new career change. And so Courtney is a therapist and the topic of our show today is dreams and the dream world and what's going on in our sleeping life. And so Courtney's perspective on this is she's a therapist who studied dreams and her style is psychodynamic, integrative and intuitive approach to therapy, which I just think is, it's perfect for this because she combines like the subconscious, the unconscious patterns and the conscious patterns and using tools like dream work for accessing this and understanding what's going on about us and and helping us heal from the past and connect to our higher self. So I'm so happy you're here, Courtney. Thank you for joining us. I'm so happy to be here. So I love this topic because 
I ask my patients about their dreams and it's more for a, a self-reflective kind of a question, not that I'm trying to get to an answer, but it's a little bit of just more information to add to the holistic picture of what somebody's processing or going through. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I find the range of people who either people either remember their dreams and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a dreamer. I, I have crazy dreams. Let me tell you about them. And some people say, oh yeah, I've got a lot of dreams. They mean nothing. There's no connection to anything in my life going on. And then some people are like, what dreams? Do I have them? I have no idea. And I know Charlene, I've asked you about your dreams before too. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, they're there. My dreams are only vivid, to be honest with you, if I binge watch on TV, because like last mm -hmm. night, I could tell you I didn't get a good night's rest because I was replaying a lot of the the series I was watching and, and I felt like I was in it. So I can't wait to, to dive into this topic. So yeah, you your psyche was warming up for this. <laughs> it was. Yeah. So tell us what your perspective is like in your work with with patients now, Courtney, are you, um, do you straight go into asking people about their dreams or do you soften into that? Well, um, as a psychodynamic therapist, we like to say that there's like five things you can talk about, um, of which your dream life is one of them. So I don't always off the jump start with dreams, but I, if there's like a lull, you know, I'll ask. It's a, it's a, it's a prompt I'll give people. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, for myself, I'm one of those people who had very bad nightmares as a child and suppressed all dreaming or memories of dreaming for like 20 years. And then in my journey of, of healing on my own work, when I was doing psychotherapy and whatnot, I rediscovered dreaming. Um, and I took a number of courses with this woman, Toko Pau Turner, who's a very famous dream worker. Uh, she does online circles for dreaming. And I also did um, some study work with Jeremy Taylor, who does a style of projective dream work, um, where the dreamer says their dream in, in community. And then everyone else says, oh, in my imagined version of the dream, it's this, that, or the other thing. So while I like to do dream work individually with clients, if they're open to it, I love to do dream work in community uh, where it's like a projective style of dream work. I really like that that brings super good boundaries, regardless of what anyone's experience is with dreaming, because in the projective style, the speaker is owning their projection. It's as if now it's their dream. Hmm. And so that allows the dreamer to be the one that has this like, aha moment of recognition if what the speaker is saying is true for them or not wow interesting there's a there's a lot there i'm trying to wrap my mind around there's something that i've learned from you and tell me how this plays out tell me where this comes from so um you mentioned one time that there is a style of interpreting dreams where every character in the dream is you yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, if I'm correct, it's Fritz Perls, who's the, a famous gestalt therapist. I 
feel like that he's credited with this idea that every dreamer in the dream, every, yeah, every individual or character in the dream is you. And um, I definitely also work with that style. Thought being that when we have these characters in dreams, there are parts of ourselves that we are projecting onto others or not able to get close enough to, to see in ourselves or even terrified of or dissociated from. So the most famous example is like <laughs> all the people have murderers running after them in their dreams. You know, you're like mm -hmm. fleeing for your life. Um, but over time, as you work with the dream, the hope is that you'll be able to slow down and turn towards your pursuer and say, I'm sorry, why are you following me? Even if you're not lucid, you're dreaming. But over time of working with the dream, you're slowly able to like build your resistance to the fear around it and start to be curious like oh why is this person pursuing me into a bathroom stall or like what's the deal mm -hmm. and then when you actually turn around generally um it will lead to some sort of embrace and some um integration of a part of yourself that you were terrified by wow so are you doing that that because i do have those dreams where somebody's chasing me mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i tend to wake up Right. So I don't to, to we're before the point of do they catch me or not catch me? So, yeah, walk us through how you work with someone that may be experiencing that. This is fascinating. Yeah. So, OK, so in dreams, we'll have repetitive dreams. And a lot of the dreams that are repetitive are these ones with these really intense themes where we're being pursued. So what will happen is you'll have the same dream. But in fact, there'll be progressions in the dream. So you're looking for those progressions. So for um, you, Charlene, it sounds like there might be a point where you like you're waking up before you see your pursuer. But now we're even having this conversation. So the next iteration of the dream might be like you're slamming a door in their face, or you know, some there's some some evolution, and we're kind of looking for that. Um, I see. One of the things I one of the first things I'll look to when people are being pursued in their dreams is their inner critic. Like, is there a part of you that's attacking of yourself? Like, are you hard on yourself? And what's your relationship to that part of you? Mm -hmm. And also we're looking at other, okay, so inner critic is a big one for a lot of people, but there's other versions of that. Like, where are you in your life terrorizing yourself, <laughs> you know, kind of inadvertently? And so we want to look at that, right? Um, wow. and, and see if we can start to be gentler in our waking life and thereby gentler in our dreaming life or gentler in our dreaming life and thereby gentler in our waking life. I had a conversation with a patient similar along these lines recently where um, she had a dream of, of there were a lot of children in it mm -hmm. and not, not good things were happening. Like they were dying or needing to protect them, that kind of thing. And, um, it was interesting in her talking about it, it was like, I was like, well, that's interesting because how is your inner child? How is your inner child? Mm. Are, are all these little children in the dream being crushed, put down, hidden? And in her own life, we had just been talking about ways for her to be more creative and childlike and get in touch with her mm. inner child and her external life, her work, her relationships, her family history was very much like, grow up, pull it together, don't play, don't revert back to just sitting on the couch, you have to excel and perform and, 
you know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah. And, and it was sort of this recurring child theme. And I was like, how about you go play like permission to play mm -hmm. and be a child again? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And then did she have a dream after that? Do we know yet? Well, it's funny that um, one or two patients that I have, and she's one of them come in and we always talk about her dreams now. So it's like part of what's going on with her body, mind, spirit <laughs> that wow. needs to be addressed. Yeah. Like, this is what I dreamt. And so now they're changing. So it's like, at least she's getting perspective about that now, you know, as time goes on. Yeah. That's what I love because each of us as dreamers can build a relationship to the psyche where we're getting feedback. So if we have a pursuer and we're pursued by them and then we integrate them, the dream grow goes away. And then all of a sudden we're pursued again. And we're like, oh, wait, hold on. Is there somewhere again in my life where I'm pursuing myself in this way that, that feels threatening? And so then we can like correct again, you know? Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. I, my old recurring dream was, it was like an Alice in Wonderland scene and everything was black and white and shifting. And it was like, I was sliding down like Alice in Wonderland. It was like a pursuit situation, you know what I mean? And and that eventually went away, but every once in a while it'll come in and it's like the walls are closing in kind of a feeling. And so yeah. now it's sort of like, oh, do I feel like the walls are closing in? You know, do I feel lost? Do I feel um, pursued? That kind of thing, you know, it's sort of how I yeah. think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or overwhelmed, threatened, you know, like Alice is yeah. in a really crazy world that she's trying to make sense of you know and so yeah and then yeah. in um acupuncture theory there's a perspective to look at it through the lens of the five elements water uh, fire earth metal wood and so different elements there's all different kinds of perspectives i think you can interpret dreams and so that's one lens that i look mm -hmm. through is are there different symbols for these elements either the color or um, the element itself, like one patient has this crashing wave. It's a repeating dream of a crashing wave. And I was like, have you ever turned around into the wave or tried to surf it, you know? Yeah. Well, and so I love to working with like the elemental concept and I would, I would first investigate, like whenever there's water in a dream, you know, water represents emotion, and so if there's like a crashing wave, I'm imagining that this individual is afraid of feeling grief and or there's impending grief or un grief that has not been uncovered. If it's the ocean, it can represent the whole unconscious, like fear of the unknown, fear of what's in our heads, fear of ourselves, you know, but just one repetitive crashing wave. I'm like, okay, so what feeling is washing over this client that they are, are not comfortable with you know um mm -hmm. interesting yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and very interesting yeah it starts to make you think about all your dreams right charlotte <laughs> yes but what if people don't dream because i want to go back right, to that okay. point because there there are probably people mm -hmm. that, that they say they don't dream but talk about that yeah, well, and even like I said for myself, like I know I always say, oh, I didn't remember them because that's what everyone says 
it's the truth. Like we all dream. We just, you know, well, I was pretty seriously suppressing them. I felt like I was not dreaming, you know? Um, and I think that's, there's a number of reasons why people don't dream. And I think one of them is, is fear or even just like, um, clinging to like a rational mindset where they're like, that doesn't mean anything. That's not for me. Um, I will say that just even having a conversation about dreams or even saying to your psyche, like, okay, I'm open to dreaming, to beginning, to cultivating a relationship with it, it comes. And it can take longer for some people than others. Um, sometimes people will begin to have like a flash of color. The other thing a lot of times is people are dreaming, but they're not remembering them. And one of the things you can do is like when you wake up, open your eyes and don't move. Because when you retain your somatic posture of sleeping, that's the like direct thread into the dream you were having. Whereas most of us, we wake up to a blaring alarm, we flip over, jump out, you know, <laughs> or like pull the pillow. There's some immediate movement that kind of chases the 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 dream away. Um, and then even for the most advanced of dreamers, like if you don't dream, I mean, if you don't write it down within the first five minutes of waking, it may or may not be there for you later, most likely not. So there also has to be a little bit of a practice developed of, of saying, okay, I'm going to record like either an image or the narrative from my dream if I'm trying to remember it. Um, and then yeah. Charlene from, from this, acupuncture theory perspective, I'm thinking back about how much time it's okay to dream versus not dream it collectively. Like, like we actually like it when people are not excessively dreaming, just like excessively doing anything excessively. Right. Excessively dreaming is like when you're dreaming all night and keeping you up, like you don't wake rested and you have all this stuff going on that you're processing, processing memories, processing the shows you watched, <laughs> processing people, your conversations. I often feel like I'm working in my sleep. Oh, yeah. Like I'm replaying mm -hmm. stuff, you know what I mean? And and so I, I like to hear from a wellness perspective, it's okay to, to not dream a ton or not remember your dreams a ton. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to yeah. tell people, you, you don't have to be a dreamer. <laughs> well, and particularly if people's dreams are threatening, like the psyche will respond to feedback from the dreamer. Like if you're like, you are stressing me out. I would like my dreams to be softer, gentler, and quieter, or not at all. The psyche will respond to that you, mean you can tell it mm -hmm. like we can mm -hmm. have a conversation with ourselves about our dreams you mean yes in fact one of the things people often do is like dream incubation you know before sleep say i'd like to dream about my upcoming wedding like is this the right person for me and then you sleep and you dream the tricky part is interpreting what you got back because it's a you know it's like can seem nonsensical you know um, and that's why I like the style of working in, in dream work in community, because you are literally trying to see something on the back of your head. So you cannot perhaps see it, but someone can help you see it, right? By the processing of it. And the verbalization probably part I could see is really important. Like I find I can think mm -hmm. about a dream, remember a dream. I can even write down a dream. But when I say a dream out loud, it is a totally different experience. And if yes. somebody hears it, and like you said, can say, 
what or that person really it's like i put things together when it's said out loud mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and, and that whole community piece so like my husband he he can remember a dream and i think it's because he tells me what he dreamt as soon as he wakes up mm -hmm. and so how do you help people so is the community a way to help that person examine the, the dream and the interpretation of the dream. Yeah. So when your husband tells you a dream, do you ever just start playing back and say, Oh, that reminds me of this or that, or I wonder if it was about this. Do you engage with him around it? Yes, but I yeah. do. I, I ask questions. I, so I said, Hey, Oh, maybe that's unresolved. Right. Is that something mm -hmm. unresolved? But he said, but I'm curious because his parents are deceased and he said he sees his parents in his dreams. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. as I'm listening to you and I'm and I'm processing, I never see my parents who also are deceased. I never see them in dreams. I see images, but I don't so I'm, I always ask some questions. I said, Did you really see her? <laughs> you know, versus like an image. Yeah, I know. And that's what's tricky. I think there are sometimes where you're really seeing and talking to them. And then that there's sometimes that you're doing your grief work around the loss. Because um, I know my mom recently died in August, and she's in my dreams almost every night. But it's a lot of like, me not remembering she's dead or like, just certain I'm healing, you know, and so I don't think I've actually had a dream where it's mom and we're talking you know, um, although when I'm ready for that, I would welcome it. And so, yeah, I think it's different for everyone. All of this is different for everyone. Like even what Joy was saying about when she speaks a dream out loud, it makes sense. If I'm writing it down as I'm writing it, it starts to make sense. Um, so I think just figuring out like what it is for the individual, but in terms of like community, um, yeah, like you and your husband, Charlene are having like that little piece of community there, you know? Um, and so it's lovely that you guys have that. And I think if he's a more avid dreamer than you are, you can just start to invite yourself into, into dreaming. You know, you can play with it if you think you're ready and you want to uh, dream more robustly or even connect with your parents in your dreams, you can kind of see that intention into your psyche. And I think that's a good point for our listeners because we probably have listeners that are saying, I'm a, I, they're probably running the gamut in terms of dreams, right? The level of dreams, mm -hmm. the frequency of dreaming. So that's a good point that you just raised that if you, we aren't, we can invite it in. And I'm going to try that tonight. Mm. I love that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are very like scientifically minded. And so then dreams just seem like a bunch of like, Meh, you know, for them. And I always just say like, hey, don't, you don't have to listen to me, like just play with it and see what happens, what comes out of it for yourself. You know, I know my own journey of dreaming helped me kind of almost develop a sense of humor, it was very good for like self-esteem. Like it was as if I got to know myself better through my dreaming, like I was able to see myself. Um, this is one thing two dreams do a lot where you're working with something that's very close to you, but it's kind of threatening because of how close it is to you. So it's instead like you're watching it happen to somebody else, <laughs> you know, like it's as if you're watching TV in your dream, but the story playing out there has relevance to you. It's just like we remove it a, a step so that we can see it from a distance because that feels safer. 
Wow, interesting. And I'm thinking about the community piece while we dream, because I remember reading a couple articles when the pandemic started that people were having the same dreams or similar dreams as each other. Do you remember that? And so that is like so interesting to me. Was it because we were having shared experience or do we connect to each other, do you think? Well, it's a, yes. I mean, so there's what we've mostly been talking about thus far is like our individual experience of dreaming. Dreams have like the individual unconscious in them, but they also have access to the collective unconscious, which is like Carl Jung's work on how we are all interconnected. And that's where all the symbols and everything comes from in dreams. Um, so absolutely, when we're going through something like a pandemic, people can be dreaming about this collective experience that we're having, the shared experience. I will say something I learned from um, Jeremy Taylor, he and his wife, um, he's the one who wrote The Wisdom of Your Dreams, which is a great book for anyone trying to get started on dreaming. Um, he and his wife would, would, would co-dream because they're in the same bed every night for 30 years. They were in one another's dreams or they were dreaming the same theme of dreams. And I have to say like, cause Kyle and I, my fiance and I have been doing this for like, you know, I don't even know, six or seven years now. And like, we are starting to have the same themes and dreams. Like we both were, I had a, I'm trying to remember what it was for me. Like we were both at back at Catholic high schools or something. I was like, having a fitting for a uniform and finally getting her to tell, I was telling her exactly how I wanted the uniform fitted. <laughs> and he had like a very similar, we were both 30 in the dream. And he had like a very similar thing about, he was supposed to be going back to his Catholic high school, the third one that he'd gone to. And in the dream, he realizes I'm 30. I don't have to go back to school there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So night after night now, when we're comparing our dreams, we're like, oh, wow, okay, very similar themes. Wow, interesting. And yeah. uh, I do know quite a few people who have night terrors, which is something I'm interested about. And in terms of people sleeping in the same bed together, that can be really difficult, you know, when you hear your spouse screaming or throwing punches and then like they can be really intense you know what I mean and so yeah I wonder what what is that is that just processing is that dreaming actually I mean I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, to me I think I would it reminds me of like anxiety and or PTSD right like mm -hmm. we're having some degree of conflict in our dreams that is so kind of threatening that it shoots us like almost awake or, you know? Um, so, I mean, I think with people who are having dreams that are that um, difficult and threatening, like I would always say, like, it'd be great to work with somebody like that to try and help them because sometimes we can feel overwhelmed by the amount of anxiety we have and then to be dealing with it on like while we're asleep is very stressful. But I would imagine that in some way, the terror is related to something they're dealing with on a conscious level, either now or in the past. Right. Is, is there anything that you can do before you go to bed? Because you, because you, you know, you know, I told the story about me dreaming about my my series on Netflix that I've just like binge watch on the weekend to really prime yourself to 
a because some people may have problems going to sleep mm-hmm. and and staying asleep. Is there any way we can prime our minds to to help you go into a deep sleep? You know, it's tough, and I'm I'm not sure. I think. Um, you know, with dreaming, we dream on every REM cycle. So we're dreaming through every cycle of the night. But if someone's actually having difficulty getting into a REM cycle, like that's kind of another issue. I think, um, I mean, we can always try, right, in terms of, of telling ourselves, like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm safe, I'm protected, like, it's okay to go to sleep. Like I am going to have a great peaceful night, you know, kind of try to create an environment that is conducive to sleep. Um, but I'm not exactly sure how, you know, like the, the factors that go into like difficulty sleeping versus um, accessing our dreams. And it is so interesting how sometimes sleep medication affects people's dream life. Either they get more active or they don't notice their dreams as much. It's it's interesting how the falling asleep is its own thing, whether you need medication to fall asleep or whether you have um, a lot of anxiety about going to sleep. You know, sometimes people's darkest mm-hmm. thoughts happen in the middle of the night when they're trying to go to sleep, you know what I mean? And so I think there's this, there's this really interesting theme of either trying to sleep or in dreaming of losing control of, of Mm -hmm. surrendering control. You know, it's, um, I was having this conversation with a patient recently of, we were talking about sleeping and how that was the one thing that made everything else in her life go better. And, how it felt like dying going to bed felt like Mm -hmm. a death it felt like surrendering to the night and calm and and nothingness you know what i mean and it's essentially what we do we are in corpse pose we are surrendering to um Mm -hmm. the night and so there's an aspect of letting go and and even in our dreams i feel like some of our dreams reflect us having difficulty letting go of control, mm-hmm. you know, letting go, mm-hmm. surrendering to, to the mini death process that we might have every day or in cycles in life or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that same analogy used around the breath too, like the, like the in-breath and the out-breath that, you know, that's like a death as well. Like when you're, re- that the whole process of release really, or letting go in any way, right? Mm -hmm. whether we're breathing or sleeping. And it's interesting that processing dreams is that sort of like we're chewing on it before we can let something go in our life. (laughs) And so if we're not going to chew on something in our waking life, it's like our mind and our bodies are like, okay, well, we're going to chew on it overnight then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting though, because I think sometimes like, if you have a relationship in which you are chewing on things overnight and that's okay for you, fine. But sometimes the psyche will also, if you're really worked overworked and stressed out, it can like give you like a gentle or a healing dream or even a dream in which you're seeing yourself in a way that you struggle to see yourself in waking life, you know? 
um, that's really sort of encouragement dreams. Yeah. And that's what you mean by boosting self-confidence for yourself too. Is that what you, yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was just like, uh, that certainly helps, you know? Um, but I think also just building compassion towards yourself where you just see yourself in all these different scenarios and you're like, Oh, wow, that was a lot that I had to deal with. Or, um, I just remember, I can't remember the exact vignette, but I just remembered this one experience of dreaming where I was like, I sort of felt like my psyche was kind of playing with me in terms of letting me see like how serious I am. It was like, just this playful way um, of looking at things, you know? So I, I definitely dreaming helped me get more in touch with creativity um, mm. and things like that. Um, but yeah, just like a playfulness. Um, I love that idea of lightening up about them and also building compassion for ourselves yes. in the dream. That's not a thought mm -hmm. I've had before. That is like, that's like really nice, you know, to think about. Yeah. There's such an awakening that's happening in my mind now as, as I'm listening to you and as you're talking about it. I think listeners may have this question for you. The mm -hmm. dream where you're getting ready to fall off the cliff or yeah. you're getting ready to, you know, crash. That seems to be a common dream that somebody has. Like, oh, I'm getting ready. I got to let it, you know, a, a ledge or a cliff and I'm oh. falling off and I'm suspended in air because you've gone oh. over. Yeah. And I think with some of these dreams, it's like, okay, we want to talk to the dreamer and see what is going on. I, I immediately think of a fear of the future or um, fear of the unknown, fear of death, you know, fear. But I wonder sometimes like what the relationship is to in waking life. You know, I do wonder when people have a dream, like, okay, what, what is that about? People have significant dreams often on anniversaries, birthdays, before a job interview. Like the dreams we all had last night are very interesting because we knew we were talking about dreams, you know? So like what's in there? Um, and I, I think it's hard to say, I know a lot of people have similar themes like falling off a cliff or some of those, it, it can be hard to say. Although one of the ones I can speak to pretty easily is like when you're driving in a car, cause that's like where you're headed in life and whether you're in the back seat, you're not driving <laughs> or whether you're the one driving speaks to like your sense of personal agency in the world and like where you may feel out of control or needing to trust others or needing to take control, things like that. Hmm. I tell your, your clients are blessed to have you to work with. Oh, that's so sweet. I, I, I get concerned about this next generation, right? Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. they're so inundated with social media and consumers of internet and images and um, the things that they're seeing in the, the, the pandemic, not going to school. Have any yeah. parents, what, what can parents do to, to become aware of maybe their, that their children may be, you know, being terrified in their dreams and they're telling, mm -hmm. like, telling their friends, but the parents have no clue that they're in the bedroom fighting, you know, at night in their dreams. 
Yeah, it's so tough. I think particularly for like teenage children to be and young adults, like to be able to access them, you know, to build that relationship in which you can speak freely and comfortably about things. I think, you know, particularly with young children, I think a lot of times when people hear their young kids' dreams, they like don't know what to do. But I think one thing is to look at the emotion in the dream. Like if if there's a like a um some something that you're like, oh wow, that's really sad. The child is feeling sad. <laughs> so speak to that sadness, you know, and or fear or whatnot. I think with older kids sometimes the best way is to like lead through your own vulnerability so if you can say like um these are the dreams i've been having have you been having dreams you know and whatnot um i think even though kids might brush off their parents it's like you're laying the groundwork for further conversations you know so even just directly saying like i worry about you because of x y and z like how are you feeling like how can i help um and the kid might be like <laughs> please you know but if you've said that a few more times and also led with your own vulnerability around like oh when i was your age or like i can't imagine being your age or whatever it is you know that might lead to further conversations. And especially if, if you are having trouble accessing your kid and then you ask them about dreams, which is something you've never asked them about before, that might be a, a new way of connecting. Yeah. They might be curious about that. Like, oh, hmm, okay, let's try something new, right? So there's a lot in our dreams that I didn't even, I couldn't even tap into. I, I really just thought it was just the, the mind just having its way, but there's so much information that we can get from our dreams and having someone like you who studied this, who sees this as a, a viable practice to add as a tool for your, for your clients is amazing. Mm. It is yeah. truly amazing. Right. I love it. And I'm curious, Courtney, if you can give us um, some tips for our listeners of how to mine their dreams, how to, if somebody's new to this, how to capture them, explore them, work mm -hmm. with them? Yeah, um, I mean, if somebody, I, I had mentioned Toko Pau Turner's course in the beginning of the book, but either her course, which is um, an online dream community, um, and or Jeremy Taylor's book on the wisdom of your dreams, both of those are just such rich treasure chests of kind of introduction. But for people who just want to go it alone without any community or reading, I think just like I said, setting the attention before bed, like I'd like to dream and then also turning towards your dreams with curiosity. Curiosity is a big word for everything, you know, like let's be curious about what's happening. Let's not decide we know before we've looked, you know? And so, um, little practices, like I said, like staying in one position before waking and seeing if anything rises. So your first thought upon waking is, did I dream and welcoming mm -hmm. the dream memories back into life. And then um, just beginning, I think, uh, you know, a dream journal is great. And if you want to write down your whole dream, great. Or you can just write down the image that was the most significant in the dream. And oftentimes that will be a thread that pulls you back into the dream. 
Um, what I find when I'm writing down my dreams is that there's a lot more I didn't remember when I awoke, but then as I'm journaling, it's coming. Um, and then the other thing I, I would say is to not be discouraged and not set pressure and expectations on yourself because that always shuts us down, right? <laughs> so just say like, okay, for, you know, the next month, I'm just going to see if any dreams come, you know, as opposed to like a dream should be here tonight, you know, just letting <laughs> our, ourselves play and, and, and see what comes up. And then um, inviting other people into conversations about dreams is always great. You know, we want us to be people we feel safe with, but like, I had this dream. You're like, you know, what do you think of that? I love this. And are there any other additional resources? Like if you are dreaming about a certain color or, or numbers, you're, you're dreaming of numbers or colors or, or you're just dreaming oh, yeah. images versus like, you know, scenes. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's hmm, a book on definitely numbers and symbols are big things in dreams that Carl Jung talks about. Um, but I'm trying to think if there's something more accessible. The one that immediately comes to mind is not about colors and number, numbers, but one of my favorite books on dreaming is called Healing Dreams by Ian Barash. And it's all about people whose dreams helped them realize that they had some kind of illness going on and get treatment, <laughs> which I just think is like incredible. Wow. Um, the body heals yeah. itself, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's There's amazing. so much information going on. <laughs> we just know the surface <laughs> of it. You know what I mean? I love digging deep into this. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Well, thank you so much, Courtney, for joining us and tell us where people can find you. I am on psychology today and in Baltimore, I'm seeing clients at honeybee wellness. Um, so I'm also available through their website. I do see a limited number of clients at the women's center in Washington, DC as well. And honeybee. Uh, yes, it's, um, H O N E Y B wellness, honeybee wellness. Mm -hmm. And also to on our Instagram page at the homework pod, we're going to have Courtney's information listed. So anyone that's in the DC metro area, unless you're doing virtual appointments, because we have people all over the US, Courtney. I am doing virtual, but at the moment, um, I'm still working on my licensure. So I'm restricted to Maryland. I have a LGBC in Maryland and DC. For now. So I'm restri restricted to those states for now, yes. I love it. And anyone can also email us too if you have questions about the episode or that you want us to forward on to Courtney. You can email us at thehomeworkpod at gmail.com or you can DM us at thehomeworkpod on Instagram also as well. So I know I've gotten a lot of good insight into dreams, more so than I would have ever imagined. And I can't wait to put some of these tips, Courtney, into practice without a lot of pressure on myself, but really <laughs> to invite it. Because when you said that you got you tapped into your creativity, your playfulness, mm -hmm. you know, you've gotten new insight, people who are have who have bedmates that they're sleeping with, that they could talk about shared dreams. There's a lot of good stuff here that you gave us. And also to parents tapping in 
you know, with, you know, in, with their children in terms of maybe the types of dreams that they may be having so that we can really have a conversation and a dialogue about it. So thank you so much. I, I tell you, Joy, our community is just so rich and so diverse. I really do believe we need to have a live show because I think a lot of people may be interested in talking to Courtney directly. Like you said, Courtney, it's like it, you got to hear from that person because there could be a, such many different interpretations. Mm -hmm. And Joy, it's great that you're bringing that into your practice as well. So tell people, Joy, where you can be found. Right. So you can find me on my website, joy-andrews.com. And on Instagram, I'm on uh, quantumhealingmedicine.com too. Yes. And Joy is a great acu. I call her Courtney acu-therapist, acu-coach. Uh, she's got <laughs> such a unique practice. And I, yeah. and I can be found at push on Instagram at pushplay coaching. You can also find me at pushplaycoaching at gmail.com. And so we are so grateful for you, Courtney, being with us today. I, my mind is blown. I, I, I'm ready to go take a nap, guys, and see, <laughs> see what comes out of this. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it was so thank fun. you. And we may have to have you back. I'm telling you, this is a this is a, we only scratched the surface of this topic. I can only imagine that there's much more. And congratulations with your licensing. And we look Thank forward you. to being able to help people all over the U.S. and the world one day. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll see you next time on The Whole World.